Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's a nice day here in Starve, a little bit warm. It's getting to be that season. It's getting to be sweating and antiperspirant season around here. You know what I'm talking about, where you got to get two showers a day, it seems like. you got to put a fresh shirt on in the afternoon. It's crazy. We're getting there. Humidity's on the rise. A lot of stuff going on for sure, as you guys are well aware. We're going to get into some of that today. Also, too, a long-awaited top ten list today. We'll get into that. Spent some time and effort kind of researching that. I've kind of teased it for a few days. And I'll be honest with you, very difficult to put together. You thought the Durandaran list was difficult. This is even harder. Very, very difficult to put this list together. But uh, we're going to get it, get to it uh, today. I want to remind you guys, too, there's a lot out there in the world right now uh, that can get you down. There, there's plenty of things out there that are of, of major concern. And there are a lot of things out there, a lot, a lot of people experiencing a much different life than we are right now. And, uh, you know, I'm just one of those kind of people, I've just, I, I have kind of learned to mind my own business about certain things. You know, it's just, I, I don't have to offer an opinion on every single thing. I'm perfectly okay with that. And uh, there are a lot of times people want you to make a statement and that sort of stuff. And, and I, sometimes I think it's best if we, if we don't beat each other to make a statement, let, let the people that actually have some insight and some experience and some knowledge do a lot of the talking. I think when you start speaking about things authoritatively that you don't know a lot about, you talk yourself into some trouble. And so here on this show, we're going to wish all of our folks all of our listeners and their families the absolute best 
I love all of you. I want you to be successful in life. I want the people around you to be far from harm's way. I absolutely do. And so my hope is when you turn on this show that uh, we're a positive show, do our best to kind of bring uh, the best news about Mississippi State, good, bad, or indifferent. Try to give you good news when we can, but we're going to give you accurate news and we're going to give you honest news no matter the circumstances. Mississippi State continues to kind of work through their uh, their staging arrivals of these players, and so that's all that's kind of, uh, you know, what we've kind of focused on here as of late is just kind of getting players back on campus. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the fallout from that, and I have done my best to prepare you guys for that, and I'm so proud to see some of you guys too. It's like people will go on the Facebook groups and they'll start sharing, hey, this has happened and this has happened. So I'm like, hey, yeah, we heard about that on the barnyard, kind of knew that was going to happen. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to you guys uh, having a chance to get back to campus. And again, I am a firm believer in personal accountability. If you don't feel comfortable coming to a football game, then by all means, stay home and watch it. Nobody's going to be critical of you for that. I know I won't be. You know, if if you want to come out here and sit and stand, I mean, that's the thing people talk about. Well, you know, Steve, they're saying they're going to limit games to season ticket holders. Well, you know, that's going to be, what, 45,000 people? That's a lot of people. You're going to be sitting shoulder to shoulder. You're going to have people around you that maybe you're not quite familiar with. You don't know where they've been. And so some people are going to wear a mask. Some people aren't going to wear a mask. Some people are going to stay home. And all of those are acceptable. All of those are acceptable. You take whatever responsibilities and precautions you need to take to protect yourself and the people around you. I mean, I just, it's one of the things that kind of blows my mind. People get so bent out of shape because people don't think the same way they do. It's one of the things that I've learned too about life. I'm not going to preach long. And maybe when we're done with this, we'll pass you an offering plate and make a donation to the Bulldog Club. But, uh, but people tend to only believe the media reports that agree with their line of thinking. And it doesn't matter the topic. I mean, it really, it doesn't matter if it's political, sports, whatever. People tend to only agree with people that make them feel better about their own opinions. I'll be honest with you, I kind of fight against that as much as I can. I like to read and hear opposing viewpoints because I know that I don't have the corner of the market on the truth. I know there are other people out there that may know more than me about a particular topic. And so I'm always looking to learn something. Matter of fact, some of my friends, you would be absolutely surprised at uh, the motley crew that I have as friends. I've got people from all walks of life, from all different religious and economic backgrounds and people that believe some things that uh, don't always align with my beliefs. But here's what happens is when something happens, it's nice to have those people as a resource. I'll reach out to those folks and say, hey, listen, I read this. What are your thoughts on this? Here's what I thought, and maybe I'm wrong. What are your thoughts? And uh, I think that is one of the gifts that maturity gives you is the ability to kind of objectively listen to somebody else's point of view and still disagree. It's okay, but I think it's important to know where other people are coming from. You know, again, I've got some some people that uh, the chances of all of us meeting up together in a bar and shooting pool and having a good time uh, kind of randomly is pretty, you know, pretty almost impossible. But there are some people that uh, that are in my life that are just much different than me. And I know that in many respects, I'm much different than most of their friends. But it's nice to have those people in my life just because of the fact that uh, 
I don't need the entire world to look and feel like I do. I just, I just don't. So again, I'm not going to get up here on the pulpit and that sort of stuff and, and preach about that sort of stuff. But let me just encourage you, just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. And understand at the end of the day, just about all of us want the same thing. That's to live in peace, live in harmony. There's some people out there that are just, you know, they're going to be rabble-rousers to the end. I mean, that's, that, there's a certain element of that in every demographic when, I, when you mention that. It doesn't matter what the cause is. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. There's always going to be, you know, there's hardliners on each side of an issue. And I, I just think that, you know, in my personal opinion, that uh, most people really kind of fall more in the middle. Most people really just kind of want to get along. And so I hope that that continues to spread. So enough with all that. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Very happy to have them on board. Bulldog Burger Company has perfected the restaurant quality hamburger. When you're in this neck of the woods, let me encourage you to go by and break bread with the winners at Bulldog Burger Company. You can do it now at two locations, right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. You go by, you have the spring rolls. They'll make you and everyone around you better looking, and we could all use some more of that, right? You can still get food to go. There are a lot of people that have kind of gotten accustomed to that, saying, you know what, Steve, I've kind of enjoyed having that family dinner without having to kind of prepare all the time and kind of slave over a stove or whatever. I I, I like being able to pick up a good restaurant-quality meal and bring it home and not have all the inconvenience of having to do all the cooking. You know, we get it. Sometimes uh, life gets tough. Let Bulldog Burger give... Mississippi State moms and Rebel moms and Southern Miss moms and Jackson State moms and Alcorn State moms and Delta State moms and not off. And all you JUCO moms too. Go by, get those great restaurant quality burgers, bring them home, serve them up on the plate, save yourself some time and effort, but still enjoy a great restaurant quality meal from Bulldog Burger Company. Two locations to serve you as always, Starville and Tupelo, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, Let's get into this COVID stuff, and I'm not going to get into any of the science behind any of this stuff because that's, again, that's where you get in trouble. You start stepping out and talking about things you don't know about. Next thing you know, you're in trouble. So I'm going to avoid being in trouble. But one of the things that I'm going to say I told you so uh, about, and it's, it didn't take a rocket scientist or you know, a medical doctor to expect this, but uh, we're having some kids test positive for COVID around the college football world. This is 100% expected. The university leaders at every school in the country have put in some extensive protocols to ensure that this thing doesn't spread. I read these, uh, there's some people too, and I know the phrase that fear porn has kind of come into, uh, you know, into style, but there are some people, and especially some of the national media, they are never happy. They're, they're, there is nothing that will ever happen that'll make them happy. They are going they will find the one black cloud in the clear blue sky every single time, no matter what happens. And I'm going to encourage you to unfollow those people. Stop listening to those people because all they're going to do is make you miserable. And so I have read these things like, Oh my gosh, that, you know, as many as 25 million people have been exposed to, to COVID-19 because some kid at Arkansas state tested positive for the COVID, you know, you can drive yourself crazy with all that. But there are going to be kids that are going to test positive. Some have already tested positive. That's the reason they test them. I know that's a novel idea. They test them so they can see who actually has the virus, 
who doesn't have the virus because the ones that don't have the virus are going to be able to work out with the rest of the team. Those that have the virus are going to self-isolate and quarantine, stay away from the team, and then get this behind them. And that's one of the great reasons why we're doing this in June. We're doing it in June to get it over with and get it behind us. So when we start fall practice, you know, the risk of infection is much lower. That's the whole point behind that, is let's just get, let's get everybody here, let's take an inventory of where we are, and then we'll handle the problem, move forward, and get ready to go play football. And there are some people out there, I mean, I've seen some people in the Facebook groups and some people on our message board, as soon as somebody uh, tested positive at another school, like, well, that's it for college football. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, listen, we didn't, we didn't think we had eradicated the virus. We're moving forward, taking steps, and following necessary protocols. You know, that's one of the things that I read right out of the gate. You know, Ole Miss had a couple of people that tested positive, and uh, and then I, I, our counterparts of the Spirit had an article right away with the Ole Miss officials saying, "Hey, listen, here's how we're handling this." So nobody's been caught unaware about any of this stuff. You know, you've had you've had positive tests at Alabama, at Arkansas State, Oklahoma State. Considering where all these players have been and people that they've been around. The chances of some of those guys returning to campus having the virus are astronomical. I mean, there's absolutely no there's there's zero chance that everybody's going to come back and has not been exposed to the virus. I mean, it's just it's silly to think otherwise, and it's also silly to get on your hind legs and thinking, "Well, that's it, that's it." Again, if you want to stay home and watch college football on TV, that is perfectly okay. You don't have to get in line. And come to the games, be around other people. It's 100% your decision. We're not going to judge you for it. But there, there will continue to be people to test positive for this virus. At some point, hopefully, there'll be a vaccine and a treatment. And you know, you know, we've seen our friend Dave Johnson. And man, God bless Dave Johnson. Dave Johnson at one point was given a 5% chance to live. 5%. And his daughter, to her credit basically begged the the hospital staff to let her go up there and visit with her dad. It was heartbreaking. I mean, it absolutely was heartbreaking to think, you know, many of us were preparing for David Johnson's death. I think we'd all kind of accepted, hey, this is a matter of time. But his daughter, and God bless her, said, you know, he's up there dealing with this by himself. He's up there dealing with this virus. There's no family around because back in those days, I mean, and even now there's still a lot of protocols to protect uh, you know, hospital patients. They let her go up there. And when the sound of her voice reached Dave's ears, the uh, his heart monitor began to jump. And I believe, and, I, and I've read some of Dave's comments, that was the rallying point for David. David was reminded that uh, he had something to live for. When he was in the abyss and the darkness of all of that, Dave's daughter's voice gave him encouragement. That's when things began to change for David Johnson. That's when Dave made his stand. Dave's come back, and listen, he got released from the hospital, had to go back a little bit. It's been a back-and-forth process. Now he's going to physical rehab, and he's getting back on his feet. And my hope is that uh, Dave's able to cover a football game this year. You know, his, uh, his son, Eli Johnson, is the starting center at Ole Miss. Great guy. And listen, I get it. I, I, I joke with people when, when we were covering Eli's recruitment. State was one of the first schools to offer him. I said, hey, guys, a kid named Eli from Oxford's going to Ole Miss. You know, nothing wrong with that. I think it's great when kids get a chance to play for their childhood favorites. 
It's incredible. It's it's a pretty rare thing, and when it happens, it's pretty special. And uh, knowing Dave, you know, it, it makes it even easier. Knowing what a good guy Dave is and what a great family that family is, you, you can kind of appreciate that. Even though they're on the, the, the other sideline of us on Thanksgiving night, it's one of those things till you look at and say, that's a pretty cool thing. And so Dave is one of those guys, too, that has kind of battled back. And that was the big thing. Dave was with us in Nashville. We talked about it on the show. It's a 247 uh, SEC Publishers Convention. And, and uh, it, was, it was concerning. It was very concerning. Not just for our own welfare, because you think, okay, I, I have been in the same room for, for a couple days, sharing the same air with a guy that's now in the hospital on a ventilator. But the bigger issue, once you get beyond that, is this is our friend. And it's not just about us. This is our friend. This is our colleague. This is a guy that's a contributor to our network. Not to mention the fact this is a man with a family. And so all of, I say all that to say this, is that um, there are a lot of things out there that are kind of unknown about all of this. And so nobody's going to think any less of you for that. But Mississippi State and other SEC schools are going to push forward, and, and they have safety protocols in place for when things go awry. And again, that's why we're testing to make sure that we're keeping everybody safe. And so this is an unprecedented time. Uh, we're, we're not going to advance anything by everybody staying home any longer. Okay? I mean, we can't continue to shut the, the, the world down. But there are some safety protocols in place to hopefully uh, stem the flow of infection. And there's just a lot of people, I think, now that, uh, that still, it's just like I read some things today. You know, we got some great economic news. And uh, immediately some of those national media people immediately have to come out and act like, well, at some point the shoe's going to drop or the bubble's going to burst. Again, there are some people out there that are not going to be happy no matter what the circumstances are. And unfortunately, some of those people have risen to the ranks of the national media that uh, they have a platform that people kind of pay attention to. And I think it's one of those things, too, that there are so many people out there that are so worried today And they need reliable information. And so when they see, hey, this person works for this uh, nationally known news organization, they should be reputable. And a lot of those people are just not unbiased observers. And there's some people, too, as I've shared on the show before, they want to redirect your eyes. You know, you're scrolling along and you're you're reading an article about, uh, you know, some kittens that were rescued by a fireman in uh, upstate New York. And then along the side there, there'll be something, some sensational headline you're like, hey, well, let me click on this and see what's going on. That's the whole point. It's a different day in journalism nowadays. You know, it's like I've done a bunch of research for the, for the book, and I'm going to talk about some of that before we get out of here today. But you know, I remember those names that I kind of grew up with, you know, not just regional but national names. Some of those names you looked at and said, you know, when, they, when these people said something, you could borrow money against it. I mean, that's how solid it was. And it's just not like that anymore. I think we all see it. We all deal with it. We're going to go ahead and get into the top ten list right now. Uh, this is one, uh, and we'll credit Curtis Stowers Jr., longtime listener of this show. Every so often, Curtis will send me a message on Facebook and say, Hey, Steve, uh, heard this, read this. What do you think about this? Enjoyed the show. Curtis been with me a long time. So it's my honor to share with you Curtis Stowers Jr.'s top ten category. Today's top ten is top 10 impact junior college players for Mississippi State football. You know, we can get into baseball. We can do all that stuff. We, we, if we did JUCO baseball players, we'd be here from, from now on. So this is my list. Your list may differ. 
your list would also be incorrect. It is easy to get caught up in uh, recency bias. And so I have done my best to, to try to avoid that. I have actually reached out. I, I probably did more research for this one than I have most other top ten lists because a lot of times somebody says, hey, give me a Depeche Mode top ten list. I can work that up here in about five minutes. But this is one that's because of the Mississippi Junior College system, We've had some great players that have come through that have started at Mississippi State. I shared with you guys earlier uh, in the week, I remember Latif Travis going to Pearl River Community College, former Florida State Seminole, came up here and was, uh, was a great player from Mississippi State. Eric Brown's a guy from Blend, Blend College over in Texas, ended up going to the National Football League. Neither of those guys made my list. But, uh, but here we go. This is going to be very Jackie Wayne Sherrill-centric of a list because Jackie kind of learned, you know, he and Bill Snyder at Kansas State were kind of ahead of the curve when it came to managing JUCOs. And of course, they put some rules in place to kind of uh, make JUCO recruiting a little more difficult. They put in that three semester rule and that sort of stuff. And you got to stay at the same JUCO because back in those days, guys would transfer JUCOs uh, to find the easier, softer way. But uh, be that as it may, here we go. My top ten football, junior college, impact players at Mississippi State. Number ten on my list is Ashley Cooper. Ashley Cooper, a guy from the Panhandle of Florida, still works as a personal trainer. Ashley Cooper kind of defined what the strong sa- the dog safety position was. Uh, actually, his four, I don't know if you know this, but his four, he ran like four six in the forties. I, I, I just I think that's probably a guy that didn't know how to run the 40 because I tell you what, his game speed was incredible. When Ashley Cooper Cooper came on a blitz or stepped in front of a pass, it was a positive play for the Mississippi State defense. Ashley Cooper has been on the Mississippi State campus in several years. He's come by. Again, he's a trainer. At times he comes up and comes to these summer camps. Guy was a big-time player from Mississippi State. I mean a big-time player. And for those of, for those of you, you young bucks out there, you young pups, you go look at some of those, that 98-99 defense and you see that guy running around there like a crazy person just blowing people up, that's Cooper, which we had a bunch of those guys. Number nine on my list, hailing from Jones County Junior College, one of the most prolific passers in school history, Jackie Parker. Jackie Parker, one of the better athletes actually of his era, Jackie Parker was great at everything. Number eight, another Jackie Sherrill guy, Robert Bean from Georgia Military. It's a great get for State. He actually went, played in the Bengals for a while with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, stopped, I guess he played football, pro football, for, a, for about ten years, I guess, close to that. If you go back and watch the um, – for those of you young guys, if you go back and watch the – SEC championship game against Tennessee. Robert Bean's the one that picks off T. Martin and runs that weaving interception back to give us an early lead. And as good as our defense was back then, there were many Bulldog fans that were thinking, you know what, that might be enough. That might, that might be enough. And if we could ever have gone up two scores there, who knows? But uh, one of those deals defensively, where we just kind of we had a lapse late in that ball game, but early they just really struggled to do anything with us. Number seven on the list. And for some of you young guys that don't know a lot about our history, you need to go read about this guy. It's Odie Burrell. Odie Burrell, a product of Holmes Community College. Odie was part of that deal with the whole Granger and all that group that uh, really kind of turned things around. You know, Mississippi State in the early '60s. You know, we kind of ended the ended the streak against Ole Miss and and. Um, 
But uh, but be that as it may, Odie Burrell is just one of those guys that you know, parlayed his pro opportunities into something big. I mean, he was one of those guys that uh, did a lot of good things with his life. Originally from Durant, Mississippi, played for the Houston Oilers. That's the, that's the old Tennessee Titans for the, for the you guys that uh, that don't know. But uh, 304 NFL carries for just over 1,000 yards, scored 13 touchdowns. This is a guy that did some big things. God rest his soul, died uh, that few years back. Odie Burrell, MVP of the 1963 Liberty Bowl and the MVP of the 1964 Senior Bowl. Inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame back in 1997. Odie Burrell. Hulk Jay once told me he's one of the toughest guys he ever played with or against. Number six on the list, another Jackie Sherrill guy, Kevin Prentice. I remember when we signed Kevin Prentice, Jackie Sherrill said, hey, this, we've been needing a guy like this. And people were like, well, we've got a 5'7", five, 5'8", five, receiver. What are we going to do with this guy? And a lot of people panned Jackie Sherrill for signing Kevin Prentice. He thought he was too little to play in the SEC. People doubted him. Kevin Prentice, one of the most exciting players to ever wear the uniform. In that SEC championship game, Mississippi State, trailing 10-7, it was KP with the, the touchdown, the punt return for the touchdown. And I can hear Keith Jackson right now saying, lightning has struck. And when we, when we made that play, you thought, you know what, we're fixing to win the SEC. We're fixing to do it because our defense was so good and they had not been able to do anything offensively but we couldn't hold the lead but Kevin Prentice is responsible for some of the best kick returns in school history I don't know if there's a Kevin Prentice highlight reel out there on YouTube but there, there darn well should be that guy was incredible he was electric number five on the list and the only offensive lineman and we could have put several but I'm going Randy Thomas Randy Thomas was a guy out of Colin tremendous player Came in here, made the most of his opportunities. I guess he was like a second-round pick, but the New York Jets played in the league for a long time. Uh, one of those guys, too, that uh, true Jackie Sherrill guy. You know what I'm saying? There's just some guys that, uh, you know, they were Mississippi Junior College success stories. Randy's one of those guys. Randy, originally from East Point, Georgia, I guess. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, East Point, Georgia. And then uh, played at the Tri-Cities High School, which was very good to Mississippi State for many years. Went to Colin, uh, and declaring ledger, not that it matters, it's, it's, a, it's a different deal now, but uh, back in those days they used to re- really rank players, and he was considered the fifth res- best prospect in the Mississippi Junior College system. Picked in a second round by the Jets, and then uh, played NFL football through the 2010 season. With the Jets from 99 to 2002, the Redskins from 03 to 09, and then finished up with the Miami Dolphins back in 2010. And a lot of people are thinking, man, I can't believe he played that long. He did. He was also Mississippi State's 2016 selection for the SEC football legends class. Randy Thomas, great, 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 great player here at Mississippi State. All right, number four on the list, because I know some of you guys are thinking, well, Steve – Anybody recent? Yeah, there is. There, there are some recent guys. Number four is Montez Sweat, also a product of Colin. You guys know him well. Montez Sweat, first rounder by the Washington Redskins. 
signed on with uh, Michigan State at a high school, rebooted his career, went to Colin, ends up here at Mississippi State, plays for two years, an All-American, first-round draft pick. And I remember when we saw him in camp at State, I'm thinking, who is that kid? Who is that long, lean, explosive kid? They said, oh, well, he's a junior college guy. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's got offers from everybody in the country. I'm thinking, well, man, it sure would be great to get him. And then we did. And people talk about what a great job at Jeff Simmons. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having the outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out, so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas 
Com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's amazing how they complemented each other because Jeff, Jeff Simmons, caused so much chaos on the interior. They had to double-team him, and so that often left Montez Sweat out there uh, in one-on-one situations. And I'll tell you, on third long, when you got Sweat lined up as a seven technique, that is trouble for the offense. Number three on the list I could have gone number one here, but I didn't. I know that I'm going to get criticized no matter who I have number one. But number three on the list is J.J. Johnson. J.J. Johnson came in uh, really – and I remember interviewing Jackie Sherrill, and he told me that J.J. came to Mississippi State because of Kiefer McGee. That Kiefer McGee was very instrumental in getting him here. And if you recall in 98, uh, in J.J. Johnson, every time he would score, would flash a 2-1 in honor of Kiefer McGee. J.J. Johnson legitimized Mississippi State, came in here and made, helped make us a real power in the SEC West. Without him, I don't know that we, we have near the season we have. I don't think there's any question. He came in, was a tremendous player for Mississippi State, and uh, was on campus last year as the team was recognized on the field with, uh, with Coach Sherrill. Number two on the list, and maybe this is because I'm somewhat biased being from Marion County, but I'm going Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram, I have known about John since he was a freshman at East Marion High School. Some people said, oh, you got to watch this kid, and you hear that a lot. The difference is, is that Abram proved to be legit. And I remember the very first time I got his highlight video. We were working for Scout back then, and I began to put his highlight video together. I'm thinking, this kid can really play. This guy can really, really play. And so he uh, becomes a, a prospect, and State's reluctant to offer. A lot of people were on him. Alabama had offered him, but it was somewhat of a provisional offer. They weren't quite sure they wanted to take him. And and I remember, you know, talk, talking in hindsight, because you know, he ended up signs with, signs with Georgia. I remember Sleepy Robinson said to me, I'm just glad the kid didn't go to Ole Miss because I don't want to have to play against him for four years. He said, man, there's something special about that kid. And that was the year, too, when the state was really heavy with safety prospects. We had Jamal Peters and Mark McLaurin, Armani Linton, uh, Jarvis Wilson. I mean, there were several, several guys that year that signed SEC scholarships. Jonathan Abram proved to be the best of the bunch. And what's funny is he's the guy in the end that State and Ole Miss didn't want out of high school. Goes to Jones County Junior College, reboots his career, comes to Mississippi State, Parlays that opportunity into a first-round draft selection with the, the Oakland Raiders, now the, the Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, I don't know that we have had a guy that has been you know, the leader that Jonathan Abram was. I think that's one of the things that kind of sets him apart from many other players. He was an explosive player on the field, but he was also very, very good commanding the huddle, commanding the weight room, commanding the meeting room, I remember after a tough loss back in 18 that it was uh, Jonathan Abram that got up and addressed the team. And Jonathan Abram kept that team, that defense together. He had some good leadership on that team, but uh, among that group of alpha dogs, Jonathan Abram was the alpha dog. But the number one on the list and I, 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 in my mind, I really couldn't go anywhere other than this, but it's Fred Smoot. It's Dr. Frederick Smoot. One of the best stories about Fred Smoot is State is destroying Vanderbilt. And this is back when, uh, I guess, Woody Woodenoffer was the coach, and 
people thought, well, Vanderbilt was for real. It's kind of like how people act about Kentucky now, except Kentucky's actually had a couple of decent seasons. But it's like, oh, you know, Vanderbilt's the trendy pick and, and to kind of upset some people this year. Never really worked out. But we're destroying Vanderbilt. And uh, Smoot turns to his counterpart at Vanderbilt, wide receiver, and says, hey, I'll let you catch a pass if you'll do my homework. You know, and uh, it's funny. It's funny, you know, because eventually Fred missed the uh, missed the snowball because he was academically ineligible. Maybe we should have had him do that homework. But uh, Fred went on to uh, to a lengthy NFL career. Uh, Fred's still very visible. Fred very much a Mississippi guy and a Mississippi State guy. Uh, you know, listen, Fred Smoot helped give Mississippi State an identity because he was so quotable. And I remember when we signed him, Fred Smoot said in the Clarion Ledger the day after signing day that I know we can win a national championship at Mississippi State. And a lot of people read that and kind of, were kind of snickered. And then Fred came up here and became part of one of the greatest defenses in SEC history. Certainly one in Mississippi State history. And Fred was the guy that everybody wanted to talk to. As Jonathan Abram was for that 18 defense, that's how Smoot was. You know, back in 98-99. Smoot was that guy. Smoot was the guy that uh, when you needed a guy to go make a play, he would go make the play. And he would elevate the crowd, and he would elevate the team. And I can still get chills thinking about every time Fred would make a play or a tackle, Davis Wade Stadium would erupt with smooth. He was our guy. That's one of those things I think about. You know, there are certain guys that their identity become our identity. And that's the, that was the case with Fred Smoot. Fred Smoot helped Jackie Sherrill convince Mississippi State people that they could believe in football. And I think that's important. That's one of the best things in life, I think, in many respects, is when you have people that can change the perception about a program or anything of that nature. And that's what Fred did. And, you know, Fred's a provine guy. I mean, it wasn't like he came from some faraway land with a, you know, a bag of magic beans. It's a guy that showed up down here and worked hard and, and proved to be the best at his position. So Fred Smoot, in my mind, the number one junior college impact transfer in the history of Mississippi State football. You Listen, if I'm wrong, and I'm not, but if I am, feel free to contact me on social media. Let me know. Well, I love to give other guys a shout-out, man, because I think it's one of the things Mississippi State's done a great job of doing over the years is mining the Mississippi junior college system for guys that needed a little seasoning. Maybe they needed a little education. Maybe they needed a little time in the classroom. Or they needed to get a little bit bigger or stronger or get a little more, a little more game reps. We're very, 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 very fortunate to have this very impressive and well-organized junior college system here in Mississippi that gives many kids in Mississippi a second chance. It's good to see Mississippi State has benefited from that. And again, I know there will be some obvious name that I've forgotten. There always is. But that's my list. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart. Again, longtime sponsors of the show, man. Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They're open again and serving the public. They're happy to serve you. And if you can't make it to town, or perhaps you're a little bit, uh, you know, not quite ready to take on some in-person shopping, you can shop online at campusbookmart.net. 
And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's right. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And listen, I know the kids are out of school and everybody's looking for some summer clothes and we're going to take trips and we're going to go to camp and we're going to do some different things this year. Uh, everything looks better and feels better when you got some new threads. Treat yourself and treat the kids with some new Mississippi State merchandise today. Campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's get into a few more things here. I have, uh, I have been so moved, to be honest with you, uh, by so many of you and uh, so many people, some, sometimes just complete strangers. You know, I have, I have worked really, really hard on the new book, and I told you guys who would talk about it. I shared it on Facebook yesterday. We're going to title the new book Alpha Dogs. Alpha, D-A-W-G-S, Alpha Dogs. That is the next book in the Stark Villain series, and there will be others. There will be others. And uh, I'm really proud of this one. And uh, I've shared with you guys some of the people that are involved with the book. And uh, so I sat down. I, I really committed myself about the McKean stuff. And I mentioned this on the show. I've begun to do my research. And, and it's really unfortunate how all of that unfolded. I mean, we, we really, as a Mississippi State family, did not handle that well. We fired our Bear Bryant. We, we did. And there's some people out there that kind of have revisionist history, and it's one of those things you can look back in hindsight and say, you know what, we were really, really short-sighted. You know, we didn't have that lucrative TV contract. We didn't have the SEC network. We didn't have the Learfield radio deal. We didn't have any of that stuff. We didn't have all these merchandising and licensing agreements that we do that, that bring in so much money to the university. We didn't have that stuff. We didn't have the financial resources that we have today. There just weren't those kind of revenue streams back in, in the 1940s. But what we did have were some pretty you know, influential and wealthy boosters that uh, the Duty Noble and the Mississippi State Athletic Department were largely dependent on. We did not have a huge following. We were one of the smaller schools in the SEC, largely dependent on ticket sales, and many times... That depended on other teams bringing their fans, buying up game day tickets. And so McKean had some, had some, uh, some issues. You know, I interviewed Harper Davis about it, and I've talked to some other people that, uh, that have done some research over the years. Our good friend Mike Nemeth, of course, wrote the, uh, the Mississippi State Vault book. You can still find that book available online in many places. Kind of the history of Mississippi State football. But a guy by the name of Bob Sanders... Bob Sanders was a guy that uh, you know, Mississippi State alum had become very wealthy and uh, was very, very generous with his money with Mississippi State, was responsible for, uh, for a lot of good things that happened in the state and was also very instrumental in what led to the plot to oust Alan McKean. Back in those days, like in 1941, I'll give an example, in 1940, Mississippi State won a bowl game for the first time. It was only our second bowl trip in history. Uh, you know, we had gone, you know, about a decade earlier, a few, a few years earlier under a major Raph Sassy, and we'd lost uh, to Decanes. And back in those days, there were only five bowl games. In, in, for years, this was considered the major bowl games. Back in the 40s, there were only five, in the early 40s. The Rose Bowl, the Sugar uh, the Orange Bowl, the Sun Bowl, uh, and the Cotton Bowl. Those are the five bowls. 
And so it wasn't like it is today where everybody with a winning record gets to go. Everybody with six wins gets to go to the game. Back in those days, very prestigious, very difficult. There wasn't a lot of funding for bowl games. And so in 1940, just over 29,000 fans went and watched Mississippi State beat Georgetown 14-7 in the Orange Bowl. And to be fair, statistically, they won the game. But on the scoreboard, we won, thanks in large part, to a block punt. So we win the game. Things are great. When 1941, we win the SEC. Well, back in those days, there was not an automatic bowl bid for the league champion. What's interesting, too, I don't know if you have done the research. I didn't know a lot of this until I began writing books. It's one of those things that you do research and there are a lot of things you kind of accept as fact and then when you go back and dig you, you see that uh, things are, are a different way. The Mississippi State, the early teams under Alan McKean, especially those first four years, were absolutely dominant teams. So we win the last four games of the 39 season, go undefeated in 40. And we actually got a first-place vote in the final AP poll as the national champion. We ended up ranked ninth. But in 41, we, we won a handful of games, too. I guess the winning streak went to 20, 21 games. We'd won 20, 21 games in a row under Alan McKean. The one game we lose in 2000, pardon me, in, in 41, we lose that, uh, that one game to Decanes who was a non-conference team, would go on to win the SEC, the only SEC championship in school history. And then many of our fans got a little spoiled, thinking, hey, this is going to last forever. Well, then World War II really began to expand. You know, after the, uh, the Bulldogs went and played the San Francisco Dons on December 6, 1941, the world changed because Pearl Harbor happened the next day. Played the... Uh, Played the 42 season, skipped the 43 year. Many schools in the SEC, including state, we, if we were A&M at the time, we suspended our programs because many of our of our players went off to fight World War II, to fight the spread of Nazi imperialism, to defend our way of life as Americans. And so there were still bowl games, and there was still college football. Matter of fact, Georgia Tech won the SEC that year. There were only four teams in the SEC that played a conference schedule. Mississippi State wasn't one of them. Vanderbilt played only a non-conference schedule and then suspended their program, didn't play conference games that year. But things began to change with McKean and with Mississippi State. You know, we had uh, 1945. We played in 44. In 45, of course, uh, Shorty McWilliams, had, had transferred from Mississippi State to, uh, to West Point to begin uh, his service in defense of our country. Well, then the war ended. So Shorty Mack comes back in 46, and the expectations for Mississippi State football were through the roof because Shorty Mack was, uh, was part of that great offense with Doc Blanchard at, um, at Army. They won an AFL championship in 45. So Shorty Mack comes back to Mississippi State, and so McKean, in many respects, was kind of a – a victim of his own success. Because, like, okay, we, it's, it's, been, it's been a few years now. We, we, we went to a bowl game in 40. We won the SEC in 41, and, and we're still winning games, but um, we're not getting the respect nationally. We're not, we're not getting invited to stuff. We're not winning the SEC. And so 
when the 46 season came and went, we actually posted an 8-2 and two record. There was a lot of discontent because we stayed home again. We stayed home again despite the fact that we had great players, we had a great record, but we finished 3-2 and two in the conference, and as a result, we didn't impress many uh, bull reps. And so that really began the unrest. There was a lot of people involved, Mississippi State football then, and thinking, you know what, we've got to make a change. And so as things went on, of course, that was really kind of the undoing. That was when things really kind of began to kind of get sideways. And, uh, and so it, it all ended, of course, where, uh, you know, Alan McKean resigned. You had the, he had the, the donors had turned against him. The well-heeled boosters had, uh, had convinced some board members that we needed to make a change there. The students circulated petitions out there to um, basically suggest they were going to boycott games if McKean returned. And so Alan McKean, in many respects, was a man without a country. And we fired the only coach in our history uh, to lead us to nine non-losing seasons. It's incredible. The worst year he ever had was the last year when the, old, the whole world was against him. And so I, I, I say that to say this, is that, you know, we have had some dark moments in our history, but we have, we've made poor, poor decisions. You know, people forget, too, you know, uh, you know, Murray Walmart was an assistant under McKean. He goes on to win an AFL championship, you know, at, at Minnesota. Darrell Royer was our coach here. You know, one of the things that, that has kind of been an issue for State is forever is keeping quality assistant coaches. When we've had them, there's a lot of people that have passed through on their way up the ladder, and you think, man, you know, that guy used to coach at Mississippi State. Well, why couldn't we keep them? And a lot of that goes back to funds. A lot of that goes back to, you know, budgets. We've never had it quite as good as we have now. But when I look back, and the more that I learn about our history, it's one of those things, too, is that I'm hopeful that history doesn't repeat itself. That one day, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, when other people look back, those bulldog generations of the future will look back and say, you know what, hey, you guys that were around around 2020, you guys that were supposed to be stewards of our great program, uh, look at what you did. Look at what you did. Man, I can't believe you guys did this. can't believe you guys had this opportunity and you blew it. I don't want our people to look back at our generation one day and say, you know what, man, look, listen, that history repeated itself and they ran off Alan McKean. I'm not, I'm not saying we have anybody like that right now. We may. I firmly believe that Chris Lamonis is going to uh, win national championships here at Mississippi State. I think Mike Leach is about to usher in an incredible era of football uh, here at Mississippi State. But there's so many times it's so easy to get distracted from things. It's so easy to get involved in other things. And forget what matters most. Forget what matters most. I think when you look back at the short-sightedness of that uh, that, that mob that kind of led the, the plot to oust Alan McKean, that wasn't about Mississippi State. That was about other people's egos. It wasn't about what was best for Mississippi State. That's one of the things that I think about. You know, when you look at all this and think about, you know, you know, what's best for Mississippi State? I want to support what's best for Mississippi State. That's me. There are other people out there that will say, hey, you know, well, Steve, you know, you're supposed to be a journalist, you're supposed to be objective. Well, I'm not objective when it comes to Mississippi State. I, I, I try to be. If something is not right, I will tell you. I'm just going to sit up here and, and uh, you know, sugarcoat nonsense for you and, and tell you that's the deal. Uh, I got a problem being critical of people. I'm, if you remember, I'm, I'm the one that had the show about we had a culture problem at Mississippi State last year. 
that's difficult for me to say sometimes. I mean, I like Joe Moorhead a lot, but I remember getting back, you know, getting back after the Music City Bowl, and it was evident to me. I mean, sitting there in that post-game press conference after the Music City Bowl, and let me go ahead and say this. I like Joe Moorhead a lot. I, I am still in contact with Joe Moorhead from time to time. But when Joe sat there and said, I don't want today's result to erase all the positives we've had this year, and there really weren't a lot of positives last year. And I I thought to myself then, Joe just doesn't seem to get it. I don't think Joe understands that, uh, you know, posting a 6-7 and record is just unacceptable considering the amount of talent that we had on this team uh, and the fact that we had so many issues off the field. And all of that is a symptom of a bigger problem. It's when you have isolated incidents, that sort of stuff, things happen. And so you can kind of write some of that away. I mean, you, you, college kids are going to do dumb things. I mean, that's one of the things that, that one of the profound truths of life is that college kids on our campus and every other one are going to do dumb things from time to time. It's like every time, I always mention this, it's like every time some kid at Ole Miss gets in trouble for something, I always caution people, just don't get sideways with that because it's just a matter of time before some kid at State does something. It's just, it's just something about that age bracket, you know what I'm saying? It's just a lack of supervision, lack of good judgment, lack of maturity. It happens. But we had a lot of that last year. We had a lot of it that wasn't reported. You find that in hindsight, other things that happened. And you begin to think, oh, are you kidding me? This happened? It's incredible to think, you know, some of the disciplinary problems that we had last year. And so you make a decision, and I think John Cohen and Dr. Mark Keenum had to make a difficult decision to kind of move forward. And I I think in the end, I think people can now say, you know what, that was probably the best thing for us because we were trending in the wrong direction. And now we go out and we get Mike Leach, and now, you know, that's a a name coach, and and we we now have some some juice again. We have some lift. It's one thing that I'll say about, you know, the rivalry. It's like last year, I mean, you know, like with, you know, State had won the Egg Bowl two years in a row. Ole Miss was four and eight. Ole Miss needed some juice. They did. But we had such acrimony within the Mississippi State fan base. It's, you, it's like you forget that we won the Egg Bowl when we went to a bowl game for the 10th straight year because people want more. People were thinking, you know what? This is not a situation that I'm okay with. It's not just good enough anymore to win the Egg Bowl and, and go to a minor ball game somewhere, especially considering what you saw had Dan, Dan Mullen had built. And so – I don't think in that, re- in that respect history is repeating itself. I think the fans wanted more and were right in their indignation about a lot of things that went on with Mississippi State football. And uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know what, people make mistakes. And there are a lot of people that were very critical of Garrett Schrader last year and critical of Tommy Stevens or critical of Willie Gay and a Tudor Gate 10 group. And all of that, at the end of the day, it, it kind of combines together to kind of make a pretty sour experience for everybody. And so that's behind us now, and I'm glad that a new day is here. But uh, I'm a firm believer in the fact that we are, uh, we are likely entering some unprecedented times in Mississippi State Athletics. I firmly believe that. I, I believe we're going to do some really cool things. I think it's going to be a great time to be a Bulldog fan, and I think this time next year we're going to feel even more excited about the direction of our athletic programs because I think we're going to put together a really good football team this year I don't know if we go win nine or ten games like some people have talked about, but I think we're going to have an exciting brand of football, and I think we're going to have one of the best pitching staffs and lineups in the country next year on a college baseball diamond. And I think this time next year we're going to be feeling really good about life. My hope is, 
is that uh, that kind of continues because I believe we've got good stewards of our resources, not to mention people that make good decisions because it hadn't always been the Mississippi State way to make the decision, to make a quick call on a coach and then go out and get a guy like Mike Leach. That's just not what we do. It's kind of reminiscent of when we went and hired Jackie Sherrill. And you remember how Jackie Sherrill changed the trajectory of our program and the self-esteem of our fan base. And I believe we're about to go through another phase of that. And I'm here for it. Well, folks, if you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. Go, go today. Go ahead and get Flim Flam. Matter of fact, I signed some more personalized copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains yesterday. And Alpha Dogs will be available for pre-order probably here in, uh, in a few weeks. I'll keep you apprised of all that. Going to be a busy month of edits and that sort of stuff. We got, you know, we got a lot of little work to do, and then it'll push off the print, and hopefully we'll have a book in your hands uh, in time for kickoff this year. That's the goal, and uh, and I'll, I'll share with you too. You know, I was under contract to write this book, but uh, whenever the global pandemic hit, I said, you know what, I'm going to do. I, I'm going to I'm going to stay busy through all this stuff. I'm not going to just sit around, you know reading all the nonsense i'm going to do something productive and i'm going to write this book and one day when my grandkids say hey what'd you do during that, that global pandemic of 2020 i wrote a book and i'm really proud of that and i can't wait for you guys to get it i can't wait for you to have it in your hands because these are some of the biggest names in mississippi state sports history talking about their favorite memories uh, at mississippi state and the rivalry with old miss eric mold sleepy robinson rafael palmero jake mangum ted milton Harper Davis, and others. And I uh, can't wait for you guys to have that. And, uh, again, you better get caught up on these Mississippi State books. I'm fixing to stack them up on you because I'm already thinking, okay, what am, what am I going to do next? Now that I'm kind of finishing this process and we're getting to the editorials, I'm thinking, okay, well, what's what next? I'm going to take a little time off, let my mind rest. But uh, I'm one of these kind of people that always need something to do and something to look forward to. And so what are we, we going to do next? That's what we're working on next. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.